Well, good morning. I want to begin this morning with a brief story. It is a story of a group of friends, and we are hanging out together, and we are having one of those conversations where we're talking about what our favorite restaurant is. And we kind of go around, and one thing I want to just be very clear about, we're not talking about fast food, so we're not talking about Culver's or the legendary Chick-fil-A. Uh, there's, there's none of that, okay? We're talking about kind of local establishments. You guys have one of those places where you just say, you know what, I can't wait until I can get there again. You guys have one of those places? Clearly, you guys need to eat out more. I'm talking about the restaurant that kind of always leaves that sort of smile of satisfaction. Well, here's what happened. We were sitting there in our group, and we're kind of going around, and some of us are talking about a place, and Clarkson and other mention a place in, in Milford, and we kind of talked through some of these, these hot spots. And then, and then one, of our, one of my friends kind of got real in the moment. And she said, you know, I really don't have a favorite restaurant. I have found that most restaurants leave me just a little less than completely satisfied. My friend's statement caused me to think a little. I thought, you know what? I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel the same way even at my favorite place. I might say, that is my favorite place to go, but it always leaves me a little less than satisfied. I always want maybe a little bit more. Today we are talking about the topic of hunger, and obviously we have begun with kind of that physical hunger that we sort of yearn for and that I shouldn't talk much about because it's getting close to lunch and I don't want to kind of distract you too much, but I do want to reference kind of that physical hunger as it points to something that is much more deep and much more significant. The hunger that is deep within the soul of every single person here this morning. All of us. We all have that deep, deep hunger. Now the reality is you are in church and I'm standing on a stage with a Bible right here. So you might expect that I'm going to point us to the scriptures to see if we might be able to find some answers to this question. Can we truly find satisfaction, complete, full satisfaction in Jesus? I mean, he says we can in the scriptures. Is that true for you today? And is that true for me? The deep stuff, the hunger that dwells deep within our souls. We're going to turn to God's Word in just a moment, and we're going to look to Luke's Gospel to dig into a very familiar story. But before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You have invited us here today. You have made a divine appointment with each and every single one of us here because You have invited us here to worship You. Some of us do so willingly, we couldn't wait to get here to engage in singing, engage in prayer, engage in studying and hearing your word. And yet others of us struggled to get here. We can think of a hundred other places we'd rather be, and yet, yet you have us here in this moment. So God, I ask 
on behalf of my brothers and sisters here today, that you would meet with us. That through the power of your Holy Spirit, as we open your word, that you would meet with us and do a work in our hearts today. That you would speak to that deep, deep hunger that we have. But God, as we turn to your word, we need eyes to see clearly the truth that is on its pages. We need ears to hear this truth. And most of all, God, we need humble hearts before you to allow that truth to mold us and to shape us. And so we ask for that. Right here in this moment, we ask that your spirit would bring your words of the scriptures to life for us. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, church, we are continuing our sermon series called Soul Food. You can see that little fancy graphic behind me, when a meal with Jesus was more than food. And what we've been doing is looking at the key points in Luke's gospel where Jesus participated in meals. But those were not just meals, they were meals that communicated something much more profound. And so the meal we are looking at today comes from Luke chapter 9. Now, to be real, it's one of the most famous meals. Most people, if you have any kind of connection with the church or any kind of connection with the Scriptures, you're probably familiar with this particular story. And what's unique about this story is it was not one that was anticipated. And maybe that's the point. You see, this story helps us see one big overarching truth, and it is this, that Jesus is enough to fully satisfy everyone who comes to him. So let's see what I'm talking about. Let's grab our Bibles. Let's head to Luke chapter 9. If you are reading along in the ESV, you're going to find that on page 866. If you are reading along behind me, well, there you have it. Uh, It is 866. We're looking at Luke chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 10. Here's what Luke writes. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them, and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God, and he cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside to find lodging and to get provisions, for where we are here is a desolate place. But then Jesus said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and to buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And they did. And they had them sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Such a powerful and significant story. 
As I said, many of us have heard that story numerous times, and I hope that even though you may have heard it hundreds of times, maybe a thousand times, that you don't lose sight of the miracle that has happened in the story. That we don't just kind of blow past it and go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that, feeding of the 5,000. What happened here on these pages is significant. It's incredibly significant. This is a great story for many, many reasons. I'll begin with the people who were involved. That's important. There's the significance of the moment of what takes place in this particular time period. There's this tension that is being felt. And then ultimately the amazement of what takes place. So let me dig into the story a little bit. I want to give you some context. You know I love some context. And so I want you to know that the disciples had just been on a mission trip. They'd just gone out. Jesus had sent them out to this particular region to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to do all the work of the ministry in that time period. They had just gone out, and then they had returned. Now, anyone here who has ever gone on any kind of mission trip knows what you are feeling in this moment, right? You get back, you're exhausted, but you're excited. You want to tell everybody what's happened. You want to share what you've experienced. You want to hear what your teammates have experienced. You want to hear what God did in you and through you. Whether your trip was... Like many people here at our church, whether you've been to Ukraine or to India or to Thailand or to California or even to downtown Detroit, you want to process that with your friends. You want to discuss what's happened. That's the context for what we read right here in Luke's gospel. He says, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. It was kind of that moment where they were debriefing. Yeah, this happened, and then this happened, and it was amazing. And Jesus took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned this, they followed him. So Jesus and the disciples maybe are having this moment, and then all of a sudden the crowds kind of hear about Jesus, know he's in that location, and they start to follow him. And so he welcomed them, and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God, and he cured those who had need of healing. It's kind of a strange moment. The disciples have just gone and done this mission work, And all the people show up, and they decide to follow Jesus. And so what that means is that they're not going to get this extended time with the Savior. They're not going to get this extended time to debrief with their leader. But this shows us something really, really important. That while the disciples were ready for some downtime, Jesus welcomed the masses. Jesus is in this moment welcoming the masses. Jesus received them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. He healed them. He was a man of the people in this moment. And church, this helps us see the first of three really significant attributes of our God. Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek him. 
want to say that again. Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek Him. So let me make this practical for you and for me this morning. Practically speaking, that means Jesus is never too tired to listen to your prayers. That means that Jesus is never too tired to hear your cries for help. That point where you get to the absolute end of your rope, you don't know what to do, you don't have a place to go, and in that moment you wonder, does Jesus hear my cry? He does. And in that moment, Jesus offers you comfort in the midst of of your pain because he never grows tired of ministering to his people. Even when we're weary. For those of us who are here this morning who are struggling with a very specific sin and it is really difficult to overcome, week after week after week there is a struggle. And I want you to know that Jesus is not weary of hearing from you. Here's what doesn't happen. When you pray, he doesn't say, oh, good grief, not that guy again. That's not what happens. Because our God is a God of love and of grace, and he loves to share that and shower that upon his children. But here's the question for every single one of us. Do we believe that? I mean, you might say, well, pastor, I understand that intellectually that that's true. That's what the scriptures teach. But do we believe it in the depths of our soul? As we enter into this room today, do we believe that's true? Do we believe the words of the psalmist who describes our God as gracious and merciful? He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. Do we believe that about our God? And do we believe that is true for you and for me? You see, whatever guilt or shame that we carried in today, maybe you brought that with you and you were legitimately wondering if God could love you after what you did this week. through repentance and faith. What we see in the pages of Luke 9 is that Jesus never tires of welcoming those who seek after Him. Never. Now, let's return to our text. Continue to work through our story. It says, Now the day began to wear away. It's getting late in the day, and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and the countryside so that they might find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But then Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and to buy food for all of these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And he had them all sit down. The excited crowds have come from the neighboring towns and they decided to follow Jesus en route to Bethsaida. 
It's getting late in the day. It's close to dinner time. People are getting a little bit hungry. And unfortunately for Jesus and his followers, they are in the middle of nowhere. This is not one of those places where they can just pull off on the next exit and find a Culver's or a Chick-fil-A. It's not happening. They're in the middle of nowhere. So clearly, it is time for everyone to go home, right? I mean, that's what the disciples are saying. They're like, look, thanks for coming. We'll come back again tomorrow. Have a good night. That's the heart posture of the disciples. It's not the heart posture of Jesus. It's into this setting that Jesus breaks out this straightforward directive to his disciples. It's very concise. He says, you give them something to eat. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes for just a moment. That has to be a little weird, doesn't it? Uh, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. That's not enough to feed our mission team, much less 5,000 people. You want, us to, you want us to feed the masses? It says there were about 5,000 people there, and Jesus says, give them something to eat. Now, allow me to put 5,000 in perspective. Bring it a little closer to home. If you were to go and to grab all of the students at Lakeland High School, and you would say, come to the campus, come to the campus, all of the kids from White Lake. Then you go a little further down the road, down to the other school in Huron Valley, you'd say, the high school students at Milford High School, why don't you come and come to the campus? And then you'd go north and you'd go to Clarkston High School very big high school. You'd ask those students to come and you put Lakeland and Milford and Clarkson students together and that would be roughly the amount of people that we're talking about. There are 5,000 people. Now, if you have any idea of what it's like to kind of roll in some of these social settings, you can imagine that it is a time of stress. I'm going to add a little tweak to that. These are men preparing a meal for 5,000 people. I guarantee you there was a lot of stress. But Jesus wasn't phased at all. Jesus was not phased at all. Listen to the counsel that he gives them. He says, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. He breaks them down into smaller collections of people. They still don't understand what's happening. But clearly, if the disciples didn't think that there was enough food, what they were missing was who they were actually talking with. They, that was lost on them in this moment. I mean, Jesus could have said, have you not heard that we provided manna for people in the midst of the Exodus? Yeah, I did that. Have you not heard that we fed a hundred men just from a few loaves back in 2 Kings. Yeah, I did that too. And in this moment, Jesus has a plan. He's in control. And what the disciples are to do is they are to facilitate what happens next. And as you guys know, it is really, really good. So in a moment of genuine humility, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, go ahead, take a seat 
The show is about to begin. And this unfolding of what Jesus is going to do helps us see the second important attribute of our God. Jesus is never too powerless to provide for all who need Him. Jesus is never too powerless. Now, church, I can stand on this stage and I can proclaim this truth to you this morning because of what the Scriptures teach us about who Jesus truly is. He is God incarnate. He is the Son of the living God. Jesus is the Christ. And because all of those things are true, He provides for His people in accordance with who He is based on who He is. You see, He is the one who brings God's kingdom to earth. And because of that, He also provides for God's people, satisfying the deepest longings that you and I have. That's our God. But once again, the question is, do we believe it? Do we believe it today? I mean, there are many of us here who kind of prayed that prayer of repentance and faith when we were young, confessed our sins, said, I believe in Jesus. But we've journeyed the path, we've, we've gone on the journey of faith, and we've hit some, some valleys, we've had some mountaintops, and maybe we're here today and we wonder if Jesus truly does fulfill everything that we need. I want to point you back to who we're talking about. In the most pastoral way that I can say this, I want to say if you are there today, then you are not accurately seeing Jesus for who He truly is. He is God incarnate. He is the Son of the living God. Jesus is the Christ. And so if you have trusted in Jesus by God's grace through your faith, Jesus is never too powerless to provide for your deepest longings. Never. So, we have seen in this familiar story that Jesus is never too tired to welcome those who seek Him. He is never too powerless to provide for all who are in need of Him. And now we get to our third attribute. Let's continue in the story, picking it up at verse 16. It says, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. Underline that verse, that section in your text. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets, 12 baskets. Of broken pieces. With everyone in their seats, remember, all 5,000, Jesus took the food and he blessed it. And similar to what the divine voice, when he spoke into creation in Genesis 1, similarly, Jesus' divine words of blessing multiply the meager supply that they have into a feast. In this moment, we go from meager to multiply, and it is a feast, and it is remarkable. It is fantastic. 
When Jesus gives the food to the disciples and then they are in turn to give it to the people, he gives and then he gives and then he gives and then he gives a little more and they just keep going and going and going. They kept serving and serving and serving. That's why Luke can say in verse 17, and they all ate, not some of them, all of them ate, and they were all satisfied. They were all satisfied. And church, that first century reality helps you and I see the the third attribute of our God. Jesus is never too limited. He's never too limited to satisfy all who hunger for Him. He's never too limited. You see, the story tells us that the disciples didn't have enough food to feed the masses. But Jesus... He provided everything that the hungry needed. But He went beyond that to an overabundance. He provided for their needs and He provided 12 baskets of an abundance. Here's what I want to remind you of. The overflow was more than what they started with. The overflow is more than what they started with. Don't lose that that image in your head. Because what this shows us right here in Luke's gospel account is that Jesus is more than enough. He is more than enough. You see, Jesus is more than enough in coming to earth as a baby. He's more than enough in living a sinless life. He's more than enough in loving and healing and proclaiming the kingdom. He is more than enough in sparing His life on the cross for your sin and for mine. And He is more than enough in defeating death and resurrecting to life and in giving you and me new life. Church, if you are in Christ today, He has given you everything that your hunger desires. I know that because He's given you Himself. Through repentance and faith, everyone here today can experience the fullness, the richness, the abundance, the overabundance of what comes from the enoughness of Jesus. And so as I close today, I want to exhort every person worshiping here today. I want to speak directly to you with these words. In a world that is constantly striving and straining for more and for newer and better, Jesus is more than sufficient for your deepest, deepest hunger. Church, Jesus is enough. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.